we have an inkling of like which ones are like the oh my god that's a perfect photo but we never know what somebody is going to really gravitate towards and want to put up on their wall and we want it to be the kind of quality that you'll put it up on your wall this is where you're meant to be like i know it I've never my best self is better than every single person who's going to walk on that platform that night. gosh man that was was a moment to change my life man work harder than everyone else and just keep going get up and do it again and again and again journey to a better you starts right now. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Better Than Yesterday podcast. I'm your host, Angelo Kelly. On this week's show, I'm joined by Matt and Sydney of 6 for 6 Media. They are primarily weightlifting photographers, as you can tell by the name, but also in the track and field space as well. If you've been listening to the podcast for a little bit of time now, you know I don't necessarily bring everybody who's a weightlifter or everybody who's in jiu-jitsu or everybody who's pursuing you know the same thing i really like to hear from people who are passionate about whatever they're doing it could be weightlifting jiu-jitsu cooking photography in this case just people who are really into what they're doing into their craft and what i've learned from this interview is that matt and sydney place a super high emphasis on quality And you can tell if you look at their Instagram that they are awesome photographers and they're really able to capture the beauty of weightlifting. So I hope you guys enjoy this conversation with Matt and Sydney of 6 for 6 and we will kick it over there now. Yeah, training at a CrossFit gym, like I came from my first original weightlifting gym, what had everything, all Lico bars, um, rogue plate like brand new competition plates and everything and then we went to a crossfit gym and it's just so much different it's really hard to get used to in the beginning i i would say like the nice part about crossfit gyms though is that if they don't have kilo plates your lifts are just like infinitely more impressive when you start throwing on pound plates and like you're like you're holding on like a a five pound bumper and it's like yeah it could be a 10 it could could be a 15 you're never gonna know but because they're all black there's no no writing on it yeah People have such a hard time too, like converting the pat. Once you get into weightlifting, it's funny too when you see people on Instagram who still post, oh, snatched 175 pounds. And it's like, all right, you're not really a weightlifter yet until you start using the kilos. Smooth the metric. <laughs> Telling you, it's just easier. It's just cleaner numbers. You're like, 100 kilos, good benchmark. I don't want to say I snatched 220. Like, 100 kilos, just rolls off the tongue better. Yeah. I mean, 220 definitely sounds better, but. 100 kilos i mean the the conversion to me is pretty easy definitely going from kilos to pounds is a little bit tough but like or going pounds to kilos that that gets a little confusing yeah most of my stuff is like close estimates like i got like the benchmark numbers in kilos to pounds you're like ah, oh, like 143 i know like 187 100 like, or like 102 in that case and then i just try to like deduce from there like all right we're, we're on that scale are we have you competed in any meets matt uh two yeah okay do you enjoy competing i do i just uh like my first meet was really was with force it was more like an introductory meet so like i think we went out and we hit like 75 80 percent maybe on the platform at that point so i think i put up like a, like a 180 total it was great and then the second one, we were trying to qualify for U25s last year. And I, I enjoyed that meet. 
but I just haven't been able to get back on a competition platform. So I don't, I don't really know. Like I want to compete again, but also I, I don't, if that makes sense. Like my training has been very inconsistent since we got a little bit bigger and a little bit busier. So like I miss the adrenaline of competing, but I also kind of don't miss having to like train towards something right now. It's like, okay, I can just like improve as I want, but and I don't the, know. the stress of competing is a lot too. Yeah. I mean, our, our meets in Illinois are not. They're, they're very chill. Yeah. Like emotion wise, like they really aren't a lot of people running around, people getting all hyped up, stressed out. Like people will be really supportive and kind of animate a little bit more for like big lifts or if someone's, you know, about to bomb out. But for the most part, it it really they're pretty small meets and they're just not big on not not a ton of spectators come unless they are family. Yeah. So, you know, the the vibe for our Illinois local meets is like night and day compared to a national meet. So, you know, it it's kind of it's really interesting for me, honestly, because we have one other person at our CrossFit gym that's actually about to compete for our mid-americans competition that's in like three weeks october 15th i think yeah three weeks so seeing somebody that started in crossfit and now they're like trying to come in and do their first weightlifting meet like it's it's really interesting to see the other side and he he, the more i talk to him the more he's like i'm I'm starting to get really nervous i don't know what's going to happen and i'm like don't even be nervous. Don't even be nervous. You, you have a great coach. Um, he works with Tom Soroga out of strength agenda. So like he, you've got somebody that knows how to count cards. You literally just have to show up, do your warm up lives, do your competition attempts. You don't even need to load your own bar. Like it's going to be an easy day. <laughs> don't, don't stress out about it. <laughs> yeah. I always tell people if they're thinking about competing, just sign up and do it. Like the, I mean, the the worst thing that can possibly happen is you bomb out and then no one even remembers what you did at that meet anyway. So yeah. it's like, just get out on the platform, try some lifts. It'll definitely feel different than training in the gym. Like you have three judges watching you, maybe a couple people, but really everyone who's there is going to be there for themselves. So they're not paying attention to what you're doing for the most part. And I mean, you are going to get support and stuff, but at the end of the day, people, if you're competing you want to do well yourself and everybody else is kind of in the same boat. Everybody's a little bit nervous. Everybody's stressed out, but everyone only cares what's on the bar for them pretty much. Yeah. I, I, it's got a lot of just like, yeah, just go out and do it for your, for yourself. And people, at least from the people we've worked with, there've been a few that are like, yeah, like what if like I got to lift with someone who's like really good. Then, Then you lift with someone who's really good. Like that's just, the nature of weightlifting everybody's first meet is trash in comparison to their potentially last meet or, or so you would hope like Maddie Rogers does, didn't really lift that well in her first meet, but she's also been doing this for how long now? It's like people just want to be really good as soon as they step on the platform. It's like, that's, that's just not how weightlifting works. You're going to. Got to get your reps in. Yeah. Whether it's <laughs> like, doing your, your normal training or going out and, getting competitions under your belt so you get more comfortable with being in front of people and you know just being in that environment yeah because we've had we've had the same people who like don't book us because like oh we want to wait until we're like i'm better and i'm like why like just get photos of yourself now you know you're gonna look roughly the same 
you know, we'll make you, we'll still make you look cool. Like, I don't, I don't think you'd need to think that photos are reserved for if you're good or not. Like if you want photos of yourself, get photos of yourself. Like it was weird hearing, hearing the clients tell us that. And they're like, oh yeah, I, I don't know. Like I'm in a D session. So I don't really think I, I want photos. Cause I don't, I don't think I'm good enough yet. You know, just do it. Like and, you already had to meet. And truly when we're editing, I mean, yeah, you have those, those guys, like you have your Superman that could put three reds on a bar and like, oh my God, that looks visually impressive. But then everybody else, like I, I genuinely don't pay attention to what color the plates are on the bar. Like, I feel like the athletes themselves are going to look at it and be like, oh, they took that photo during like my second warm up attempt. I'm, I'm lifting such a small weight, but like, you look cool. You looked cool doing it. So we took the photo. There you go. And that's, that's kind of the thing that we pay attention to a lot more than, you know, like even when I'm pulling photos for sneak peeks, Matt will be like, oh, that, you know, pick one of the higher ones. And I'm like, eh, eh, it all look cool. I just like that shot. (laughs) I appreciate movement too. Like somebody who moves well versus somebody who's stronger. I mean, Obviously, you're not going to total more than that person, but if you move really well, I think that's impressive, regardless of if it's 40 kilos or if it's 100. Like, technique takes time. That's a that's a really hard skill. I mean, the snatch and clean and jerk, they are not easy things to do. So when someone looks good doing them, that's really cool, and that's awesome. It's, it's always really fun when we get, like, videos of people who are just incredibly efficient when they snatch or clean and jerk, and... You just watch the bar just stay in that perfect bar path the whole time and like oh wow like they're gonna get stronger and it's uh, they're gonna be really good if they just stick with the sport and kind of be patient with it and i don't know it's like it's like poetry in motion not to sound cliche but it's kind of it's just really cool to see a bar just boop, very very little side to side movement and just a lifter be snappy as they as they're lifting and that's our favorite thing to edit too. When I'm editing video, like we we shoot um, wide still. So for the most part, we don't turn our cameras to be vertical shooting unless we're using a really tight lens. So we still shoot wide and then we crop into the 16 by nine when we send out the product. And if somebody runs forward <laughs> when they're finishing their lift, I have to like keyframe the frame to follow them. I love it when somebody can just hit their lift and stay in one spot and they just do it right. And I'm like, oh, you did your job. I can do my job. Everything's great. <laughs> yeah. It makes our job easier when people are technically sound. <laughs> well, we'll definitely get into, I want to, you know, really touch on all the specifics, but I wanted to say, uh, before we got started, I did watch the video that was pinned on your Instagram and I am going to share this to uh, hype people up for the podcast. But I told you that I was, on a break from weightlifting and I watched that video this morning and I was like, damn, I have to get back into it. This is right? yes. awesome. Okay. <laughs> Good. Uh, uh. That's, uh, thank you for the validation. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> I was just going to say, um, my girlfriend even brought up to the point, she was like, just going through your Instagram feed and she said, you're able to bring out emotion in everything is that something that you place an emphasis on when you're editing like how does that kind of come about oh yeah um Uh, i I think we'll each have maybe a little different of response there um at least for me so like we kind of split the workload towards our our respective strengths so i'm a bit better in photography and and she's definitely better in, in video editing so like when we're at least shooting photos 
I try to like figure out where the athlete and coach are emotionally, if that makes sense. Like if it's kind of a chill meet, I'll be chill and I'll just try to get like the cool fun moments and like vibe with them, try to be on that wavelength. But if someone's going for, you know, big PR, they're trying to qualify for something or they're, they're trying to hit some, some sort of total that they've been working towards. I try to match that where like, I'm looking for the serious, really invested, you know, accomplished vibe, if that makes sense. So like the, the emotions that we convey are what the athlete and then myself are feeling in that moment of like, Oh, they hit like a big lift. Now they're hugging their coach. Like all the bare barbell hugs that we have caught in the last, in the last year. Um, like all of those are, you know, we see those and I, I get hyped in the moment where I'm like, Oh, that was, that was cool. Like, and I want to show people that particular emotion. So it's not planned. It's just sort of a, what are we feeling during the session? Was the ethic feeling during that session? You know, what is the coach feeling during that session? And then trying to put that all together for whatever photos we, we put out there. But that's how I approach it. I don't, I'll let Sydney speak for herself. Um, I mean, I, I think my answer would be pretty much in line with that. A lot of, like, especially for the video work that we do, like when we make these wrap-up reels after an event, you know, the, the basic formula kind of stays the same because it's a weightlifting meet. You basically, like, there's only so many things that happen. You There's only two lifts. Everybody has to warm up. Everybody has to give their coach a high five or a hug or whatever they're going to do. But I try to build the video so that, you know, you kind of start feeling a little bit anxious, like at the beginning and you're like warming up and you're getting ready to compete. And then, you know, kind of following what a lifter goes through at the meet, just using different clips of different people, but really just trying to convey that emotional cresting point. Like you, you go up, you hit your lift. I want that to be a big part of the video where the music's really big and really impactful. And then, you know, at the end, everybody's just feeling good. Like they did a good job. Um, so that I, I, that's kind of what I'm thinking about when I'm shooting video. Like I want to, like, there's, there's been a couple of times where we've shot with the intent to make a wrap up reel, but then I realize, oh, I've got so many pe- videos of people lifting, but I don't have enough people like, you know, getting ready to go take their lift, like sitting in the chair by the curtain and, or chalking up or, you know, enough warm up shots. And, you know, sometimes we choose just not to even make the video versus put out something that might feel really like off balance. (laughs) Um, But when we shoot photo, I'm definitely looking for those emotional moments, like the entire time, Um, probably even more so than trying to find like creative angles of people, like while they're warming up, we still try to do that. And we still kind of go into each session with like, okay, these are the shots we want to get. And then, you know, we go in with the goal of having like a creative shot or two per person. So like, we don't, we don't want all of our albums to feel like they're the exact same and you're just getting the same thing, you know, as much as some of the shots we do recycle for everybody. Cause like, they just look cool. Everybody, like you want to see yourself in that like back shot where you're hitting a lift and you see the judges, you see the crowd, you know, I, I feel like that's one of the best ones to get a feel for what the event actually felt like. Um, but I have been putting a lot more emphasis on trying to get like reactions. So if, you know, if, if we have two people available, 
I'll pick up my, our telephoto lens and I'll shoot just the coach while somebody's lifting, or I'll try to position myself so that like, if I'm running the video camera, I can run the video camera, but then also turn around and shoot people in the crowd that are like here for that lifter. So we really do try to think of every single angle where we could get emotion out of the comp- out of our photos that may not even be the lifter themselves. That's interesting. Do you, like, how's your process work when you're talking to people about going into the meet? Like, are, are you looking at videos of them in the past and how they lift or like kind of walk through the process when you when you get a client and they're like, hey, I want you to shoot at AO finals or nationals. How does that work? How do you move forward? Sometimes we know who they are. And then sometimes we have no clue whatsoever. Like if we can find their social media pretty easily, we'll try to like at least be able to put a name to a face. But there are, especially for like big meets, like nationals where we're just getting, you know, requests from all these random people. There's a lot of times where I'm like looking at all the numbers before they get pinned to the athlete's singlet. And I'm like, okay, the person I'm shooting is number five. I'm just going to wait until a coach comes to grab that number and I'm going to see where he goes. Like, like, you know, for some people we do come in with like that baseline familiarity. And then, you know, for new clients, we, we really try not to like look into them too much aside from just what gym they're with. Do we have a good relationship with that coach? Do we know that coach prefers one type of shooting versus another type? You know, that kind of, that's the only thing that we really start with. Yeah. And we kind of watch their, I guess their pre-lift rituals as they're warming up or as they're going to take an attempt. So like, we don't know if someone's going to chalk clap right before they go take a heavy attempt. We don't know if they're going to scream until they do. And they're like, okay, this is something you do. All right, I have five more attempts to try and catch this moment, but now I know what you do before you go and take an attempt. So it's just a lot of kind of watching for patterns that you're like, okay, this is part of your process. And now we just kind of have to adapt to it. Like there's one lifter that, that kind of comes to mind or, or two, but they kind of do the same thing. So like Danielle Gunnan, we have never booked her officially, but like we've always captured the 64 session because like our teammate Shelby is always in a 64A with her. And when Danielle hits a, a huge lift, like she does a really big battle cry as the weight is falling. And we got it at AO finals. And I was like, we came back for AO1. I was like, yep, I know you're going to do this. And then she did. And I was like, all right, cool. Like it's it there. <laughs> Like you, you kind of see them as time goes on too. Like if they're a new client, you figure it out in the first half of the meet. So you got to figure out what they're doing in the snatch. But if you book them again, it's sort of like a mental note of, okay, we know what you're going to do. Like we're going to watch for this pattern. We even have some people that um, like, we may have gotten just one random good shot of them chalking up. And then they're Mm -hmm. like, that's my favorite shot. And we like, I'll notice they start to like, look to see if you're shooting them before they do it again, like over in the warm-up area. Like there's some people that are like, oh my God, I loved that photo so much. How do I get one? Like, how do I recreate it? And you know, not that that's the thing we want them thinking about when they're going to compete, but I, it, for some people it does like cross into their mind and like, you can kind of pick up on when they're like, oh, okay. Okay. This is what they want me to do. (laughs) We kind of talked about how, weightlifting is not necessarily going to be you can only improve the spectator experience so much but the behind the scenes and 
really after the meet is over is I think where the magic kind of happens, like being able to see that big lift and, you know, capturing the emotion that it took for the six months of preparation that came into that. And, you know, like you said, Danielle, just letting it all out when she hits a huge lift, being able to show that I think is really special because if you follow Danielle, which I definitely do. I, I love her social media and I've had her on the podcast a couple times, but like watching the six months of training that led up to that lift and then seeing that picture, that invokes emotion. It definitely does. And I mean, how much can you improve the spectator aspect of weightlifting to where people are going to come in off the street? Probably not too much. But if we are able to keep upping that content and capturing those moments, like I think that's where the sport really grows and people like me who maybe got out of it look at a picture like that and it's like yeah i need to do that again i need that feeling yeah and that's that's like what we kind of shoot for where i think we kind of we always make jokes towards the end of a meet where we're like oh we're feeling kind of stale it's it's the same two movements you can only put so many creative spins on the same two movements and then we kind of walk away with it and we kind of reset we're like oh like there are different ways we can go about it and we want to capture new angles and both both figuratively and literally, but we want to find ways to show that, yeah, the sport is really grindy for the most part. Like these moments are, you know, five seconds out of a six to nine month training block for a lot of these lifters, but like, you know, we're, we're okay watching that moment kind of cultivate in something like professional football, but in weightlifting, it's like, eh, not so much. You're like, okay, well, the same emotions exist. It's just now you're watching somebody, you know, lift two times body weight over their head. And I think that's, that's a little cooler. bit more impressive. Like, you know, it, there's, there's more objective measurements to be like, that's an impressive lift. And we want to show you that's impressive and show that like, you can also be part of this community of people doing kind of crazy things because I don't know. It's just like, I just want people to get exposed, involved yeah. and exposed and, and see that it is more than just being told, yeah, train five years and like, maybe you'll be good kind of thing. It's like, no, like you can, you can have fun and enjoy the sport early on. And it's, there's a lot more to it than just training for finals or training for nationals. Like it, it's more than just that. There, there really aren't a whole lot of, I mean, there's definitely, you see on Team USA, there's some genetic freaks and people who are obviously gifted more than others, but the sport truly is anybody can do it. And I do love how the, how USA weightlifting has created the American Open, just the series and, you know, different levels of events where, I mean, you have to train, obviously, like the, the totals aren't easy to hit, but yeah. it is doable for pretty much anyone if you actually do put in a couple years of work and you can go on that same national stage that you know the 64a's and the 71's and olympians are going to be on even if you're in a d or a k or whatever session it doesn't really matter but you're kind of able to get that experience like you're still there you, you still get yeah. to do it and we we like find that pattern a lot with a lot of our clients. Like I know you had Reba Lewis on the podcast and she, she works full time, doesn't focus on this, but she's still making national teams. Um, a lot like we, some of the people that we shot at nationals, like 
we actually we just randomly met up with one of our clients who we we actually had never talked to him. He was just one of the people that had just reached out, asked us to do photos. And then he just happened to show up at the bar that we were at later that night. <laughs> and he was telling uh, telling me all about how um, he is a school psychiatrist, a school counselor, but he works with like kind of a more troubled population. And, you know, he, he's like, yeah, I I'm I'm glad I came here because I was thinking about pulling out. I, you know, with work being what work was, you know, dealing with that group of kids trying to get through the pandemic, e-learning still kind of in that chaos um, craziness. Like he almost didn't even come to the competition and decided like, oh yeah, no, 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 we'll do it. We'll do it. Um, And then like a lot of our, we have a lot of nurses, like a lot of nurses that are out there putting in like 12 hour shifts three or four times a week. And they're still training, still showing up, still getting to come and travel and do meets. Like it, it really is a sport for anybody. Um, We had recently, we, we had to split up like, Matt had to go shoot a meet in Texas. And then I, I took um, my two best friends who have no weightlifting and no photography experience with me to um, the Oklahoma state championship. And when we were doing our training before, like I, I obviously made sure they knew how to, you know, everything about the camera they needed to know, had basic photography pr- principles. Um, we gave them practice, you know, with shooting our our general angles. Um, and both of my friends were like, can we do this? Like, and, and Matt literally stopped being the, the subject that we were practicing photographing. And he started teaching my, my best friend, Rachel, how to do a snatch. Like she picked up a barbell and he was like showing her how to do it. Like even just being around it for 10 minutes, she was like, Oh my God, I want to do this. And she's still like, when can I come shoot again? When can I come shoot again? Like that was, it was just so fun for her to even be at the meet. And it was, it was like, it was just a meet in Oklahoma. It wasn't even people that she knew had any connection to, um, just showed up and, you know, just the atmosphere that's created by weightlifting really can pull people in if we can just figure out how to get them exposed to it. Yeah. I love that. One thing I was really surprised by was how short of a time that you guys have been doing this. So how did six for six even get started? Yeah. So, um, our original intent was to go into wedding videography, which was, uh, what I had been doing commercially for a couple of years, um, out in San Diego. I was part of Ryan films, San Diego. So they, um, we had up to five teams and could do like five weddings in a single day. And we had a, a team of anywhere between like 12 to 15 people at any given time. So uh, definitely more of like a volume brand than like a really niche, like high-end videography. Um, and so I wanted to take the skills that I had learned from like managing that uh, that small business and start our own. And we had actually worked with like uh, a designer to create our brand, create our logo. Like we, we spent all this money, like getting the wedding videography side up and running. We did our LLC name with our wedding videography brand. And then Matt was like, Oh, you know, since we have this photography equipment, I want to shoot for my gym. I want to run around with a camera and learn how to use it and, you know, really kind of get into it. And we did two 
in-house meets. One of them was just like still during the pandemic. So it wasn't even open to outside people. It was just like Forza's like, we're all going to come. We're going to do our meet. We're going to film it and, you know, kind of do the online submission. And then the second one was a bigger meet with like outside people coming yeah. in for the first time. Yeah, we had a, the, the first like one we actually shot was, I think it was the AO1, like Salt Lake City, where they had the hy- hybrid system where you could either have gone to Salt Lake City computer, you could compete via uh-huh. Zoom yeah. at the same time. I did that. I did that. Yeah, it was, it was weird. I, I remember like clocks were just never accurate for the people on Zoom, like ever. Like they, they had less time than, or they had more time than they were told they had. It was weird, but. That was our first thing and we shot a couple of the people and then we moved to the Illinois state meet, which when we first shot it was broken down into um, regions. So instead of being one big state meet, they decided to split it into a, a Northwest and South region to like reduce the number of people in an enclosed space. And so we shot the one that Forza hosted and that was, I think a month before Detroit. And we decided, well, we could. We'll go to Detroit. We'll, we have, we'll Detroit. we have a couple people <laughs> from the gym that we're going to go. Um, so we we at least knew that we'd have enough money coming in to like pay for us to drive out there and stay at an Airbnb and come back. So like we kind of went out there knowing like the bare minimum was covered. And if we went and just had fun, then we went and had fun, you know. And we ended up picking up people while we were there, did a lot of, you know, free work for people, did a lot of work where they came back after and said, hey, how can we buy that photo? Like, we love that photo. And it it really just quickly became, oh, my gosh, we (laughs) (laughs) just to even keep up with the demand for the weightlifting content, like you couldn't ask me to find time in my schedule to like edit a seven to eight minute wedding video right now. Yeah. But uh, the name itself it took a while to come to come up with. It, it seems like it was pretty basic, like, oh, six for six. Uh, for like the six months I was running around Forza, just like getting back into photography, I was playing around with like different branding. So our like the wedding side is called Mason Media because it's a hybrid of our, our last names. And that's the LLC. And now it's like, now we have like a, a doing business as caveat. It's like, okay, well, we're really just doing this at six or six, but uh, we're not going to refile our, our, our LLC. That's too much money. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't want to spend more money. Um, but I remember just like playing around with branding for it. Cause I, I knew Barbell Stories was a thing. I knew YKS existed. You know, I, I had seen a few of the other like, like hook grip and, and ATG. And so I was trying to figure out like how we could brand ourselves. And originally I wanted to go with uh, White Lights Media. That was like my, my first instinct of like, I want to go with that. And then I found out that that already exists. It's a, it's a powerlifting and weightlifting media company in the UK. And they are very well established. And I was like, okay, I don't, like, I'm not, I'm not going to pick that. Just so, on the off chance we ever want to try and go international, probably don't want to show up with two media companies with the same name. <laughs> and from there, I was like, okay, well, I don't really know what I want to go with. And I was trying to like draw inspiration from Jenny from One Kilo, who's kind of been like not really doing a much, doing a whole lot aside from like vacationing with Toma and Yasmin <laughs> Stevens and Bali or Bali, because why not? And I almost settled on just the worst name possible. And we we had told Snappy Patchy this on on, on his podcast where 
I made the branding for something called One Up Images, which like would have been a complete whiff of a brand. <laughs> Especially for weightlifting too. Right. Like I was like, oh no, like we can't go with that. And like we were sitting on the couch one night and I was playing around with um Creative Cloud on my phone. I was like, oh, like I wanna try this. And I, I made like a, a fake, like a little six or six logo. And I was like, what if we did something like this? I couldn't find a, any brand for it. And we're like, yeah, I like that. And it kind of rolls off the tongue. And every time someone has a perfect me, like they're going to say a six for six. We're like, let's, let's do that. Like, let's, let's roll with it. So it was like six months of, well, what do we want to name ourselves? And then it was like, oh, well, no one's taken this one <laughs> yet. And we can kind of directly align it with, with the sport. There actually is a gym called Lift Six for Six in Canada. And I was really hoping that they were going to send some athletes to AO2 this year because I wanted to meet them and be like, hey, don't hate us. Like, <laughs> Sorry, we took your name kind of, but I, I don't think they were at the meet. No, <laughs> but when you so when you go to nationals for the first time, how do you even you just show up in the back room with a camera like do you have to register with anybody or tell anybody oh, yeah. that you're there yeah yeah so we we do have to tell usaw um that we're coming to meets and then everybody that we bring like even when i had my two friends come to oklahoma like everybody's had has to have an active safe sport certification so you know at the, at the very least they are doing a good job of making sure that the people that are coming on site are <laughs> you know, have all the training they need to be able to work around youth athletes safely. Um, being said, even when we tell USAW that we're coming, sometimes we don't have name tags. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I'm just like, that's a quick tangent. We have not had like the printed name, name plates for, I think we're coming in on like a year now where our names are just not printed on them. It's just a blank media pass. And we've had to put like six or six stickers on them so we can like brand ourselves we have not had that since nationals and even then i think there were two with my name so she didn't have one for her name yeah we were both matt gibson and our third shooter worked for barbend because that's what her media credential ended up saying i was like okay, okay. like i was like whatever we're the first like our first meet i'm not gonna really complain but all right yeah so you you let them know like a, a month or so out that you'll be going to the meet and they verify like email safe sport and then you can just show up it's surprisingly easy compared to every other sport oh my gosh yeah which is really nice but it also spoils us because we think we can do the same thing for other sports and you cannot <laughs> we really wanted to go shoot the um world track and field championships that were happening in eugene oregon this year like oh finally this meet was coming back to u.s soil so we, we really wanted to go we had an airbnb booked we applied we didn't hear anything from them. So we were like, okay, but they're probably not going to like let us just come shoot. Cause they, they were pretty picky about specifying that you were with like an actual media company, you know, like you were there on behalf of somebody. And we, we kind of got excited like two weeks before the event. Cause we got an email invite to like this media room on site where they're like, oh, we're going to have this room for people that'll have internet and outlets, yada, yada, yada. And then we're like, wait a minute, did we get credentials? Did we? And we we like tried to replan the entire trip in like a day. And then we found out, oh, the, the media room we got invited to was hosted by ASICS. So it was kind of like their branded thing. Like they were going to have certain athletes that they sponsor come in and do like interviews and stuff. So like we still wouldn't have access to like the actual event. 
so bummed about that. It would have so been, sad. that would have been like, that's just kind of one of our, our dream things to do. Just getting the actual like track and field. Cause we, we do shoot for the conference that he coaches for right now. So yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll shoot uh, CCIW, I think is the conference. So like just D3 college. Yeah. I'm sure as you guys get more established though, that'll be something that'll definitely happen. I, I hope so. Yeah. I, I would really like to expand into track and field. Yeah. I, I love the sport more than weightlifting. Sorry to like the weightlifters out there, but like track and field is like had my soul and ankles and hamstrings basically for the last like decade. So I, I hope we can expand into it, but it's a little, it's a little tricky to get into an NCAA sport because there's a lot of hoops you got to jump through before you can start making any money off of it. Like, uh where we're situated there's like one dude one one guy that just has exclusivity contracts with like four or five different universities and it's like it's one guy covering every sport for these schools and like, well you, you physically just can't do that right like you can't possibly cover every sport at these schools and then we found out okay well we can't sell to these schools but we can sell to their athletes mm. so we're like navigating that process of okay, the schools have to sign off that we can sell to the athletes, but we also have to acknowledge that we can never solicit sales from the university directly, which is fine. Cause like universities never want to pay for their photos anyway. Like they'd rather just, they'd rather just intern. give kids <laughs> like, a camera and say, here you go. It counts as credit. Um, but it, it's weird. And I, I hope like that is the next little jump for six for six, like diversity wise. Like we don't want to drop weightlifting by any means, but track and field kind of happens in the dead period of weightlifting like finals and AO one are really the only meets that happen during that happen season. during the season anyway. So it's sort of a, I want to bring that style that we have in weightlifting, but to a, a bigger sport. That's really cool. What mistakes did you guys make? So say the first nationals you went to, <laughs> what did you mess up there? Uh, a lot a lot uh, <laughs> we actually we were in the process of putting together like a video to like be like oh we've been we've been here for a year now and we were gonna try and pull footage from like all of the meets we've been to and we went back to our nationals footage and we're like okay this is where we started and we are very grateful that we have come a long, 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 long way. Uh, a lot of the, a lot of the things that I was really fortunate for, for shooting wedding videography was like everything happened outside for the most part. And you also have a clause in your contract where like, if things aren't lit well, it's on the client. Like if they host a backyard wedding and there's not enough light after the sun goes down, like we have like a pretty powerful little like video light but it's not going to be enough to like fully weld it, like light an entire space. And if that footage just doesn't look good, like, you know, it's, it's kind of on the client to decorate the space in a way that's going to allow for that. Um, with weightlifting, we have really learned that like we come in and the venue is what the venue is. We have, we can't rely on 
having daylight even like especially for me it's like ao2 where there was not a single window in the entire venue yeah you know it it's a lot of kind of learning what lenses we need to be using like we we bought a ton of f4 aperture lenses for wedding videography and we're like oh can't use any of these yeah (laughs) that and like trying to figure out camera settings was a big one where um like we can get kind of like the really nitty-gritty technical stuff but like um we had our iso on our cameras like just cranked for our first meet and that just made the sensor really sensitive to light which is what makes them really grainy and noisy and it just looks bad and our first meet we had isos like just cranked up to like five thousand, and now we shoot at like 800 so it's it's a really steep decline from where we've been and then realizing that we just didn't have the gear that we needed to handle most weightlifting meets is that we had lenses that, you know, couldn't let in enough light to sort of compensate for the faster shutter speeds. And we had to invest in those lenses and those lenses happen to be the most expensive. <laughs> That's what we've learned. Um, like we just weren't completely ready for the gear demands of yeah. what weightlifting was going to give us. So like cameras that needed to be good in low light. Obviously we didn't really like think that far in advance. Cause we just made the last minute decision to like show up to Detroit and Detroit spoiled us because there was a, a oh. big window that just let in a bunch of natural light into the venue. So we like, were... oh, they're all like this, right? <laughs> we, we look back now and Detroit itself as an event was chaotic because uh, the city had huge flooding that week so everybody that was like just trying to get to and from where they were staying to the venue a lot of people were just getting stranded and couldn't get there like there was literally like the coach that we work with out of bear barbell literally had to like drive around and pick one of her kids up on the other side of like a road closure to get him to come weigh in and he, he couldn't even like weigh in and compete with his own weight class he had to like do the next one because he was like he was still late by like 10 minutes um but so the the meet itself was chaotic but the venue was just beautiful and like looking back we're like you know what we we could say all we want about detroit but i i hope we get to shoot there again because knowing what we know now going into that venue again the photos would just be like oh so much nicer they would be they'd be they there was so much potential in that venue and you know we got a lot of good shots but we definitely could have we could have done a lot better and i i hope we get that opportunity honestly like we can we let's take nationals back to detroit that was was a good venue and it was a good setup too like the amount sorry for like total tangent but the amount of these meets that happen in places where you don't have access to like food after the event ends or like in albuquerque we were having like pre-schedule our ubers the day before because it would take like an hour to call an uber to get anywhere (laughs) those are those are kind of the things that make traveling harder than it needs to be for the actual event (laughs) i would oh may may i like quick tangent yeah yeah, go ahead learning, learning thing um, I would also say one of the big things we, we learned was how to handle personnel. So we originally marketed ourselves as a, as a trio. And so there was a third shooter that would come with us to meet. And now it's just, it's just Sydney and I. So we've sort of like 
scaled down. And for us, it was sort of like figuring out as we're going through the growing pains of becoming bigger, we also have to figure out how we can better prepare third shooters for the work demand and what we're expecting. And that's where like, we ran into this issue because we were talking to Brittany about it. Like I was, I was talking to Brittany of like, Hey, how do you onboard new coaches? Cause like, I've never had people have to like work like for me. Like I've worked in companies where they work under me, but it's never quite that same thing in a corporate hierarchy. And a lot of it was having to understand that like we're, we're going to care about six for six more than anybody. And we can never expect somebody to care that much because they just didn't like make the, the company or they didn't make the brand and that's fine. But we've, had to let go of this concept of like, oh, if we have people who work for us, they're going to care as much as we do. And it's fine if they don't, but we have to do a better job preparing them for what the work demands of them and what our expectations are. And so it's sort of like a, you know, we've we've made the mistake of not preparing third shooters properly for meets and we have therefore paid the price. And I think that was probably like the hardest lesson to learn because it took the longest to like figure out. And that was honestly what was so valuable about me being able to take, you know, my two best friends with me to Oklahoma. Cause I, I told them, you know, from the very beginning of the process, like they, they, they obviously know everything that's happened with our company just for me, like talking about work and, you know, what struggles I'm dealing with. And like, I was, I was able to really be upfront with them and say, Hey, I need to learn how to get better at this part of owning my business. I let's let's go through all the training as how I would do it for just somebody that applied off indeed. And then I, I want that really honest feedback. Like what were, what did you feel like you weren't prepared for? Like what about the actual work itself? Like took you by surprise, like, and they gave me like a lot of, a lot of really good feedback. So I was, I was really grateful for that opportunity. And I also kind of like, I, <laughs> Matt, Matt, definitely the point he brought up about people not caring about it as much as you do is definitely valid, but my two best friends also happen to be perfectionists that never want to disappoint anybody. And I think it's just a way you're raised as a child because that they, they've been that way their entire life. I've been that way my entire life. And I, I think it also taught me a little bit about how to actually go about hiring too. Like if you can find people that have just that tiny little bit of neurosis, even if it's not that, even if it's not their company, they'll still come into it with the desire to like, want to do good. Like it was, you know, we, we used to kind of run into an issue where we'd get to the end of a really long day and we'd all be drained like Matt and I too, but we would kind of try to hold it back and like not show it until we were away from clients and away from the event. And I'm, you know, my friends were definitely the, oh my God, wait, is it over? Is there another session? Like, I want to keep going. I'm like, okay, that's the attitude. There we go. <laughs> As a two-person team, too, for these uh, these big meets, sometimes you're going pretty much 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. And it's three, four platforms at a time. So, I mean, you obviously need to lean on other people a bit, but it's, I mean, it's hard. I remember uh, the first couple of meets I did seeing barbell stories just run back and forth. And I'm like, who's this guy who keeps running back and forth? He still does it. Yeah. He yeah. still does it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I, 
you know, he's kind of in this place where he's teamed up with Sue from YKS so they can kind of split their clients a little bit evenly and, you know, make the load easier for everyone. And that's, that's definitely an advantage when you already have somebody that does the business themselves already and they, they know what they need to do and like, it's just easy. So I, that's, that's definitely kind of the way we're, we're leaning towards if we ever have to bring on anybody else, like just find somebody we can team up with and be like, Hey, what can we do to help you? Can you help us? And, you know, I, if we, if we bring on anybody in the future, we're bringing on an editor. Like we, I think Matt and I both agree that our product is just so much better when we've got kind of more control over the really creative part of it. And if I could just get, if we could just get somebody to help with getting edits out quickly, that's, that's kind of what we're more looking for as our, our next growth step. I wanted to uh, get into going to the Hawaii, um, the Tokyo, uh, the Olympic, what, like prep camp. Yeah. How, how did that come about? And uh, kind of talk through that experience. Okay. Yeah. Um, so only I went to the Tokyo prep camps. Um, she, Sydney ended up coming back home to hang out with the pups so they could be home for a bit. And I still had a full-time job. So also that. <laughs> had to um, work. we found out about it during Detroit that they were having this this prep camp and we were trying to figure out if media was going to be allowed. And they, they weren't so sure yet because things are still kind of iffy with the pandemics. People were like, eh, maybe, maybe not. And then we found out, oh yeah, you can go. So we, I like talked to, I just sent, I don't remember who I sent an email to, someone at USA Weightlifting where I was like, hey, I, like, I want to come. And I understand that we're not going to get paid for this, but I want to show up. And they're like, yeah, sure, that's fine. Um, here are the dates for it. And I just ended up you know, booking a flight, booking a hotel, and flying out to Hawaii for the week, which is kind of cool because it's, you know, it's, it's Hawaii, so it's always, it's always nice. But it was sort of a last-minute decision to get out there and, and try to be at that camp while most of the Olympians were there. I think the only one I didn't overlap with was uh, Maddie Rogers. She got in the day after I left, but it was, it was a very last-second decision. <laughs> Yeah, and sometimes I'm sure as a business as business owners, you guys have to make decisions where it's like, hey, we're going to go here. We're not going to get paid for it. And you probably had to put out a decent amount of money to get there. <laughs> it was uh, not cheap, but I, I think overall it played a pretty big role in helping us expand so quickly or grow so quickly because suddenly it was, oh, this, these new people are just with the Olympians right now. Like, okay, like. It helped establish like some legitimacy for our, for our brand, honestly. Yeah. And we, we very quickly learned, like I met, I met Stu like officially for the first time in Hawaii. Like we kind of crossed paths in Detroit, but didn't really have any conversations. And like, I really started to have conversations with him and Will while we were down there. So I was like, okay, like this is, this is kind of where everyone's at right now. And this is what we're all aiming for. And this is what we're trying to portray in the sport. And that's pretty cool. And I'm very excited for this. And, it was a it was a pretty fun experience. It was very laid back, and the schedule was weird because they were trying to get the Olympians to adjust to new sleep schedules. But I remember there being a few big lifts where like we got them on video, and USA Weightlifting was like, "Hey, hey you, don't you, post you can't that. post this until <laughs> after their session. Like it's embargoed for the time being. Like uh, we weren't allowed to post CJ's like two hundred front squat then jerk." 
for a while, like not until after he competed, and then it was okay. And then they posted it before he stepped on the platform anyway, which was a little weird. But <laughs> they're like, hey, you can't post that. And we're like, okay, okay, okay. And there were like lifts that Jordan and Harrison hit that they were like, hey, no one can know that they just hit this right now. Like we're, we're keeping this in our back pocket kind of thing. And it was, it was cool seeing these elite athletes a week out from competing at the Olympics hit numbers that would put them on podiums. You had to hit them in, a, in the meet. And we're like, oh, okay, this could be a really strong Olympic team. And just being in that environment was was wild to me. <laughs> this is a question for you both, but uh, Matt specifically, w- was there a point where you got to put the camera down and appreciate, hey, you're watching Olympians lift right now, and and like you said, they're hitting numbers that are, you know, competitive as the best in the world. Are you able to kind of? And Sydney too, like at these meets, do you ever get a experience to just kind of sit there and like appreciate the lifting and not worry about capturing the moment? So in Hawaii, I think for the most part, I was really just trying to capture those lifts. There were a few, so like I knew like YKS works very directly with Power and Grace um, and obviously lives in Atlanta. So I think when most of the airlifters are going, I kind of just like stepped back a little bit. But I think even when someone was going for a big lift, I was like, all right, camera's got to be out. Like, I want to, I want to have this just, just to have, you know, just to have the memory that I captured that moment. So it felt very, very work focused and like kind of looking back at it and thinking about it now, I don't think I ever like sat back and really appreciated the lifting like i was just there and i was like i want to get everything and i kind of regret that now that i'm thinking about it. man i probably should have just like soaked it in for a second but well we like we recently did go back through all that footage and i, I remember you were watching it and you were just like oh like i i feel like he got the chance to process it but it wasn't until like a year later yeah <laughs> when we were trying to do something with that again <laughs> yeah uh, i think at all points there was a camera in my hand for just any time a heavy barbell was about to go up yeah and then for me i think my my answer is a little two-pronged so the first is when i'm at a meet and it happens to be a session where i don't where i'm just not assigned to anything i have time i don't genuinely like I'm, I'm not good at sitting still so i genuinely don't like to sit in the bleachers and just watch people lift because i i definitely will be like I'm going to pull out my phone. I'm going to take a nap. Like I, <laughs> I need to be doing something. <laughs> um, but I like to use those times off as like my really creative videography time. So like when, and at this past nationals, like during Maddie Rogers session, I wasn't shooting anybody. So I threw my camera on a gimbal and I was getting really artsy stuff. And I was getting to really play with videography and just get different, clips because you know we have our big bank of like here's your lift angle but you can't really make a video out of that you need all the the extra texture clips so when i you know when the big lifts are happening that's kind of how i like to enjoy them it's still from behind a camera even if i'm not being like paid by them to shoot them um but then i also would say that i didn't have like a 
a whole appreciation for what everybody was doing until I tried to learn how to do the lifts myself. And that that's kind of why I really wanted to get into it. Like the gym I go to is a CrossFit gym and I, you know, mainly I'll still do my three days a week for CrossFit classes. And I, I really like that environment because the coaches there are very much just like, it's, it's not a big bro energy kind of place. It's very much, let's teach you how to do things. Let's teach you all the progressions. If you don't know how to do something and then let's make sure that we are doing everything possible to keep you from getting injured. <laughs> so like, that's kind of where I really center most of my fitness but, you know, picking up the lifting one day a week when they'd have the, like the two hour class on Saturdays, like that's kind of where I was like, oh, okay, this is hard. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is really hard. <laughs> uh, like there's, I, I mean, like there's dozens of 10 to 12 year olds that can lift more than I can. And I'm like, all right, well, all right. At least now I know what everybody has to start at and what they have to go through to yeah. get to this exact point where they're on a platform. Yeah. So it would, was, it was interesting for me. I would say the, like the first moment for me that I just like sat back and watched something was this past nationals during Olivia Reeves, like clean and jerks where like she took, they loaded 138 and she went out to go take it. And all the media was just like swarming the platform. And I remember just like sitting on the warmer platform with um, my teammate who just competed. And I just like put my camera away and I just watched her hit 138. I was like, that was the first time where like, I didn't need to be in the thick of it with media. And I just wanted to watch somebody hit a crazy lift. And just, it that's probably like my favorite moment from all the nationals at that point was just getting to watch it and not feel like, oh, well, I need, to, I need to get this right now. And it was, that was really nice. Although I had a bit of an opposite experience <laughs> at nationals where uh, I did stop to just watch, um, I can't remember what lift it was, but Ryan Grinsland put in like, I think it was a clean and jerk. Yeah. And he had it up, but he couldn't stabilize it. And he basically oh, just like turned all the way around. And I'm just like standing there watching it with my mouth open. And then Matt nudged me at the end. And he's like, did you get that? And like, no, no, I didn't. I was watching. Sorry. <laughs> so it's like, you like, that's kind of the one thing about this sport is like you, we, we always overshoot because we're afraid we're going to miss that. Like one perfect moment where like something really cool happens. And then you look back and you're like, oh my God, we filled an entire two terabyte drive in a single weekend. Like editing's going to be fun. <laughs> To me, it just sounds like you both just appreciate the craft, and I think you have to you have to be like that if you're gonna do anything at a high level. Like for me, with the podcast, I told you guys before we started recording, I sit down and I take out every time you know I fidget with the mic or I touch the desk. And do I need to do that? Absolutely not. I don't think anybody would ever say anything about that. But if you really appreciate it, and it's like you want to put out the best possible thing. Yeah, you're going to mess with the settings. Yeah, you're going to do things that nobody else is willing to do. And I mean, appreciating what you're doing, like it really shows when I look at your Instagram page and look at the quality. And you guys could probably put out pictures that you would say are terrible. And I'd be like, wow, this is awesome. So, I mean, nobody's really going to care about it. And like you said, even trying to bring on new people. 
they're just not going to care as much as you do. So you're probably going to sit down and edit a photo longer than anybody else is willing to do just because you really love doing it and you really want to put something out that's high quality. Even if other people don't even notice the hour that it took to edit that actual photo. Yeah, no, we, we do a custom color grade for every meet we go to and we try to give people two, sometimes three different types of color grades in their album. So they don't feel like we just kind of ripped everything off an SD card, slapped a preset on it and then sent it out. Like we, we really do take a lot of time <laughs> just to dial yeah. everything in for every single meet. Yeah. It, it's kind of, it's time consuming. Like it's not the quickest process in the world. And it, it shows when, you know, people start reaching out like, hey, where are photos from this meeting? And we're like, hey, it could take up to a month. Like, we know that's kind of the slowest timeline of everybody in weightlifting media. But, like, Sydney always kind of spits out, the, like, you can get, you know, good, fast, and cheap, and you get to pick two. And right now we sit, I would say, good and cheap. Like, our prices kind of still sit under most of the, most of the photographers right now. And so like, okay, like that's our, those are the two you're picking, but that means you're going to wait a little bit for, for stuff. And, you know, we could rip everything off our SD card and slap a preset on it, but I've tried using old color grades on new meets and boy, do they look bad. <laughs> it's, it's something where like, we want people to feel like we also care about your session because you are, you are paying money for something that you care about and you should get photos that reflect that we also cared about shooting it even if we were just physically dead during the uh, like meet because it's just the last session of the whole meet and we still want you to get an album that we're proud of publishing and that you are proud sharing hey I, I also think one of the most like validating moments that we've ever had was um when we went to go shoot the like bear summer camp like bear barbell is like so big and they have different remote gyms and they have a bunch of online athletes so they did something over memorial day where they had as many athletes as they could come to train on site and they planned a bunch of like team building activities and we stayed at uh coach Brittany's house and like we saw she had actually gotten prints of our photos from different meets like we we shoot her and her wife pretty much every time they compete and she's pulled from a bunch of different meets and just gotten these printed and put up on her wall. Like there was one really emotional photo of her giving um, Nicole a pep talk at AO finals that they hung above their bed. Like that is something that they look at every single day. And like, that's kind of, for us, that was just like validation on why we take so long to edit our photos. Because when we send an album, we have an inkling of like, which ones are like the, oh my God, that's a perfect photo but we never know what somebody is going to really gravitate towards and want to put up on their wall. And we want it to be the kind of quality that you'll put it up on your wall. You know, like that's, we want every photo to look like you could do that and it would be a good photo. Yeah. I, I, I love that. And I, I really appreciate what you guys are doing. I think, you know, every outside independent media company that comes into weightlifting, I think is a good thing just to capture some of these moments where can uh, people go if they want to book you in the future? And maybe what meets are you, are you, uh, calendar are you going to? So our next, like, 
meets are actually this coming weekend. We'll be heading out to, I'll be heading out to the Pacific Northwest for their WSO meet and Sydney will be heading down to Bear Barbell for Kiloween. But our next big one is going to be uh, AO finals and people can either, you know, look at our, the link in our Instagram bio and they can sign up for meets there. They can go directly to our website also through the link in our Instagram bio. And they can just fill out a nice little sheet. They can pick their package. They can pick which meet they're going to. And they just send out the lead form and we'll always get an email that says who they are, what session they want and what meet it's for. And that's, that's like the easiest way to go about it for us right now. Yeah. We've, we've had to move away from taking like Instagram DM bookings because we lose, like we'd never want to lose those. And it's just constant anxiety of like, okay, did I scroll far enough back <laughs> just to make sure we got everybody? Um, and then our website's six for six media.com. And then six is the number six, not S I S. So cool. I will, uh, link that up in the show notes, Matt, Sydney, thank you so much for coming on. This was really cool getting to, to learn how you guys edit and kind of go behind the camera. I think it's always cool to highlight something like that. Yeah. I appreciate you having us on.